love it when life get changed by Jesus. It's an amazing and true and powerful thing when someone gives their life to Jesus and surrenders to him and becomes a part of his kingdom. That's a, a powerful, powerful truth. And every week here at Ignite, we give people opportunities to respond to that same king who's leading Colton in the middle of hardship, in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of all these things. God is faithful and good, and he's a good king. And, uh, and if you want to know that king, that's where we're going to be jumping into today. So you can open up your Bibles if you have them. If not, you can, uh, the words are going to be up on the screen as well too. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. And how, what we're doing is we're going through the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of the biographies of Jesus' earthly ministry here on earth, uh, which is why it would be an earthly here on earth. It's a bit redundant, but that's okay. Um, and, uh, and what we've been looking at through this whole thing, and especially um, in chapters 10 through 12, what we've been noticing is how people respond to Jesus. We've seen that Jesus is a king like none other. We see that the king has a kingdom, and that kingdom operates like no kingdom here on earth. And that, and that that kingdom is available to all people, that this kingdom comes for everyone. And, and, and the invitation is available to all of us to become a part of that kingdom. Unfortunately, uh, some people will reject that kingdom. They don't want to be a part of that kingdom. So what we've been seeing in chapters 10 through 12 is different responses to the kingdom and the king. In the last few weeks, we've been seeing how Jesus has been in conflict and, and talking with the religious leaders of the day called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees uh, had all these rules and regulations that they were using to justify themselves to say, we're pleasing to God because we can follow our own rules. And Jesus said, well, good for you, but that's not pleasing to God. What's pleasing to God is to walk with him and to desire mercy, not sacrifice, to, to do good and to love him with everything that you have. And, and because Jesus was pressing against the Pharisees on that, what ended up happening is the Pharisees didn't like that. And so what we saw at the end of last week is that they went outside of the synagogue after Jesus had healed somebody. And instead of celebrating that healing, they decided to make plans to destroy Jesus. And that's where we're going to be picking it up today as we see these, these things about Jesus' authority and the Pharisees' authority and who has, who has legitimate authority and who has the, the, the power and right to do these things. And what I want you guys to be thinking about today is really this, is how we respond to authority is just as important as how we exercise it. How we respond to authority is just as important as how we exercise it. We always think about our own power and our own authority and what we're going to do with what we have, and that's a really good thing to be thinking about. But the other thing that we need to be thinking about is how are we, as human beings, how are we going to respond to someone who has a legitimate authority? How are we going to respond to someone who has power and influence? Because we live in a day and age right now where there's so much happening in the world where we say that power and authority, sometimes they would say, are bad things. And power and authority are not bad things, but when misused, they cause catastrophic problems. When power and authority are misused, they cause huge problems with far-reaching effects. But authority and power properly used brings forth life and, 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 and has, the, has the ripple effect of joy and celebration and and uh, building and, and 
it's just, it can be the most incredible thing and it can be the most awful of things depending on how it's used, power and authority. Because it is so influential and because it is so powerful, to misuse it causes great problems, but to use it properly causes great joy. And we're gonna see that. We're gonna be in Matthew 12 and starting in verse 15, we're gonna see that Jesus' legitimate authority, that Jesus is a legitimate authority. Verse 15. Jesus, aware of this, this being that they wanted to destroy him, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them to not make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his uh, anyone hear his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. It's interesting. Jesus um, just healed a man on the Sabbath. Um, he, he healed a man with a withered hand, and, 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 they, and then the Pharisees said, we want to destroy him. Jesus leaves from there, and he's healing a bunch of people. Um, so many people that it says he just healed them all. It's this incredible thing. He says he healed them all, and then he told them not to tell anybody. And he said this was, to per, this was about fulfilling a prophecy. Number one, that, that, that God was going to be well pleased with his chosen. That, that the book of Isaiah, what this is referencing here, it says this is how the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah was written about 600 years before Jesus would walk this earth. And for 600 years, the Jews have been looking for the Messiah, the chosen one, the one in whom the book of Isaiah was writing about. And he says when the Messiah shows up, he's going to look like certain things, he's going to do certain things, he's going to be certain things. And so all this description in the Old Testament leads to pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who will take away the sins of the world, the one who's going to save his people. And Jesus is acting in accordance with what was prophesied in Isaiah. He's healing all the people and he's also not making this big proclamation yet. He's at this place where he's like, he's, he's moving forward. Why? Because he's not shouting in the streets. He's, he's, he's a humble leader who just continues to do incredible, incredible things. Like healing people. Like we talked about Jesus as a king, right? And Jesus is the perfect king. Jesus is the kind of leader we all beg for and want and long for. Right? We want a leader who's good, We want a leader who's fair. We want a leader who's powerful. We want a leader who is kind. We want a leader who is just. And we see all of that in Jesus. There has been no king like him, and there there will be no king like him. He is the perfect, righteous, good, and wonderful king. He's the longing of our hearts. And he, he leads by things like healing people. He's spirit-filled. He's just both to the Jew and to the Gentile. That's incredible, okay? So Jews, part of the, the nation of Israel, 
And, uh, and God's chosen people to bring the message of hope to the world. And the, the world outside non-Jews are known as Gentiles. Different ethnically, different racially, different location. Uh, I'm a Gentile. And I'm so glad that, that Jesus came. Because he was, he was king not just for this people, the Jews of Israel. He was a, peop- a king for all people. He's the king in which Gentiles put their hope. That if you come to Jesus, regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless of your socioeconomic background, regardless of your gender, you're going to come and find Jesus good and just and right. Man. That's incredible. Jesus is showing everyone he's the guy. He's the one that, that, uh, that, that God had foretold about, the Father had foretold about, to, to put his spirit on his son. When Jesus was baptized, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It is a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah that Jesus is a legitimate authority. He's legit. Some would say too legit to quit. It was terrible. I just could not help myself the whole time. I'm talking about this. All I could think is MC Hammer. So just pray for me, okay? Just pray for me. It's a terrible joke. I recognize it as such. Staff meeting on Tuesday, I will be rebuked for it. Couldn't help myself. But Jesus has this legitimate authority given to him by the Father. And if we submit our lives to him, we submit our lives to the greatest king the world has ever known. But here's the problem the human heart likes to build its own kingdom. We like to build our own kingdoms, we like to do our own things. And we think that Jesus is all well and good, that he can help us in a pinch. But what Jesus is saying, I want your allegiance for all things. And I have a way that's better than yours. We're like, hmm, I don't know about that. And so we set up our own kingdoms. We're going to do it our own way. I know what God says, but... I know what God says about my time, but I know what God says about how I'm supposed to spend my life, but I know what God says about everything of my area of my life. Like when you become a citizen of a kingdom, you are a citizen, which means all of what you have is now needs to be in line with the kingdom. And we don't like doing that. And the Pharisees didn't like doing that. And they didn't want to respond to this legitimate authority. They didn't want to respond to this power that was in their presence. And so what they decide to do is they're going to slander Jesus. They're going to slander Jesus. Verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and the people were amazed, and they said, can this be the son of David? 
But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Jesus is a king. We see how he's, the, the scriptures are this spitting image of Jesus. And then he comes up and there was a man who was oppressed by a demon. And this demon oppression led him to be blind and mute. Okay? So there's a difference between medical conditions and demon oppression, and Jesus knows the difference. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we see certain things that were medical conditions, and we see things that were demonic activity. And sometimes demonic activity manifests itself physically, and that's what was happening in this place. And in this time, this man was oppressed by a demon, and he couldn't see, and he couldn't speak. And Jesus comes and casts out the demon and the man can suddenly speak and he can suddenly see and everybody is marvel and amazed. They say, could this be the son of David? Could this be the son of David? That means, could this be the Messiah? Because one of the prophecies of, of the Messiah would be that they come from the King David. They come out of his line. And so they're saying, is, this out, is Jesus out of the line of David? Could he be the son of David? Could he be the king? Could he be the Messiah? Spoiler, yes. Yes, he can be. And he is. But the Pharisees, once again, just blinded by their pride, blinded by their self-righteousness, not seeing what was going on. They said, you know, we need to destroy this man. Now the word is getting out and some people are being amazed by this. We need to, we need to quell this pretty quick. Here's what we're going to do. And so they said, yeah, he cast out that demon. They recognized the power. They go, yeah, he cast it out. But he did it by the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. It's another name for Satan. They're like, yeah, Jesus did that, but that's because he's satanic. He's a demon worshiper, and that's how he's able to do these things. That's what they said about Jesus. They couldn't deny the sign, and so they decided to slander where it came from. Jesus has the Holy Spirit on him, empowering him to do these amazing, incredible things. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are saying this man is a satanic worshiper getting his power from demonic forces. Jesus decides to respond and does so masterfully as Jesus always does. He said, so let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. So if I'm doing this power, like if I'm working in the powers of darkness, why would I destroy my own army? Like if, if, this, if this demon was doing what I wanted him to do and I, we're, we're going to try to steal, kill, and destroy the entire world, why would I destroy my own army? He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You thought Abraham Lincoln thought of that. 
Turns out, Abe Lincoln was a man of the word. He said, a house divided against itself can't stand. It can't stand. You can't, you can't destroy your own work and think that you're going to get somewhere. He said, that's not how that works. And he said, and by the way, if we're talking about, if we're talking about casting out demons, then how do your sons do that? If I'm doing the work of the devil, then what are your sons doing? He said, don't be ridiculous. A house divided against itself can't stand. And he said, if your sons are doing these things, if your disciples are doing these things, if, if, if they're, the God is allowing them and moving them forward to do these things, then they're going to be a testimony against you. Because demons don't cast out demons. It's the work of God and the power of light. He would go on in verse 28. Jesus is still speaking. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first blinds up the strong, binds up the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. There's a whole lot there. So we're going to walk through that, okay? First thing he says, but if the Spirit of God has come upon me, but if this by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is upon you. If he's saying, like, a house divided against itself can't stand, okay? So if the house divided itself against itself can't stand, then, then what am I doing this? How am I doing this? And if it's by the power of the Spirit, then the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's an interesting and bold statement. Because these people thought that they were a part of the kingdom. And Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, if the spirit of God is upon me, then the kingdom of God is looking at you. And you're on the outside looking in. Telling the Pharisees, you just said I did things by the power of the devil. I'm telling you that's impossible. And now I'm going to double down on it and say, and if I do things by the Spirit of God, and the kingdom is in your midst, see where I'm going with this? Then he goes on. He says, how could someone, he goes, in case that was confusing to you, let me talk a little bit further. He says, if someone's going to come in and plunder a house, you got to tie the guy up first, Right? If you're going to rob somebody, you got to tie him up. Otherwise, he's going to be wandering around and interfering with your work. Right? And so he says that the Spirit of God is upon him and that you go in and he so basically says, I'm entering into the kingdom of darkness and I'm plundering his house. 
Jesus came on a mission to rescue us and trash the kingdom of darkness. So I'm going to break stuff in the kingdom of darkness. And he says, Satan has no authority over me. He didn't have any authority over Jesus when he was in the desert. He had no authority over Jesus now. And every time Jesus comes into contact with a demon and that demon's allowed to speak, they are terrified of Jesus. Jesus has power. Jesus has authority. And he's using that authority to heal. And people are responding going, this could be the Messiah. And others are rejecting that saying, no, it couldn't be. He's doing things by the power of the devil. And Jesus says, I'm going to come in, I'm going to bind up the darkness, and I'm going to rescue people. And he said, and if you're not with me, you're against me. And if you don't gather, you scatter. Drawing this massive line in the sand and asserting his own authority. And then he says something really interesting. He says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. This is where we get into this term, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And people have asked me, are there any sins that cannot or will not be forgiven? Is there any sin that could not be forgiven or won't be forgiven? There's one. And that's to blaspheme the Spirit. If you're like, what does that mean? Blaspheme the Spirit is to, is to slander the work of the Spirit. It's to wholeheartedly and fully have your heart hardened against the work of the Spirit. You see, it's the Spirit's job to reveal to us Jesus. It's the Spirit's job to reveal to us these beautiful things. In fact, in Matthew 16, we're going to get there, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And one of them says, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, that's correct, I am, and blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, the Spirit did. And so, to reject Christ as revealed by the Spirit, to have your heart so totally and utterly hardened that you would not only reject Christ who revealed the Holy Spirit, that you would attribute the Holy Spirit to a work of the devil. That's blaspheming the Spirit, to have this finality, totally hard-hearted rejection of what God has sent us. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the sin that will not be forgiven. When you die, if you've rejected Christ that is revealed by the Spirit, you will stand in your own sin. There is no forgiveness. There is no mercy because you have rejected Christ who has revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And to say that the Spirit was doing the work of the devil. Jesus is like, we don't, that doesn't, that one doesn't, Get forgiven. And you might be in here today and you're thinking, have I done that? Or maybe you're a little nervous right now. So let me pastor you in this moment. If you are worried 
that you have blasphemed the Spirit, you haven't. Does that make sense? Like if you're worried right now that maybe you've blasphemed the Spirit, you haven't. Because people who blaspheme in the Spirit, they don't care. It's a hardness of heart. It's a complete and utter rejection. So if you're, if you're concerned about that right now, you haven't. So thank God for that concern. Now, you also might be in here going, okay, but I don't, I don't I'm just kind of visiting today. <laughs> um, I was told this was going to be fun. If you're here today, and you're checking things out, but maybe you haven't responded to Jesus yet. Listen, there are people who have been haters of God that later became followers of Jesus. That happens all the time. Their heart was not so utterly hardened upon death and judgment that their heart might be hard now, but it's progressively being softened, and it's part of a journey. And someday, some people who hate God, reject God, ignore God, will become followers of Jesus. So we pray for people because while you're alive, you still have time. What Jesus is talking about here is this calloused, hard-hearted, final, I completely reject God. I completely reject his spirit. I completely reject everything that he's trying to show me. To reject Christ as revealed by the spirit and to say that the Spirit is the work of the devil, that would be blasphemy. Jesus is speaking with forceful words. Right? This is maybe a picture that you don't see of Jesus so often. Maybe it's not one you think of very often, but Jesus here is speaking with tremendous force. Why? Because he's a man of authority. And he's a man of power. And his kingdom is pushing back darkness. His kingdom is plundering the kingdom of darkness because people are dying and people are being destroyed and people are being stolen from and people are being killed. And his is the kingdom of life and life abundant. And he's bringing healing and he's bringing restoration. And he says, listen, if you're gonna set up your own kingdom, you're actually within allegiance with the kingdom of darkness. And if you're not with me on this, you're scattering people. But Jesus is a legitimate authority. And Jesus is asserting his authority. Because it was given to him by the Father. So the question, the question that each of us have to answer is going to be about how we respond to authority, right? Because how we respond to authority is just as important as how we exercise it. And Jesus has this authority, and what are we going to do with Jesus? If you follow him, if you submit your life to him, as Colton said this morning, it doesn't get easier, but it is better. And we have new mercy and new forgiveness every day because Jesus, Jesus our king, went to the cross for us. See, Jesus lived the life that we all should have lived but can't. Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. 
He went there in our place on purpose for our sins. And then Jesus rose from the dead to show that he's eternal and he gives eternal life to all who have put their trust in him. So the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to submit and follow and give your life to him? Or are you going to continue to build your own kingdom in opposition? That's what's laid before us. And I pray that you choose life. One of the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth is he gave us something to remember that we're part of the kingdom and to remember what Jesus has done for us. And that's the act of taking communion. And so maybe you picked one of these up on the way in. I'm gonna lead us through communion this morning. And I wanna say this before we begin. Communion is for the follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to participate in communion today. If you're here and you're just checking things out, we ask that you refrain from taking this, but I want you to watch what we're doing. And then I want you to ask questions. But I want you to think through what it is that's happening right now as followers of Jesus as we take communion. And so I want... Uh, the first thing that Jesus calls us to do is that we're not to take communion in an unworthy manner. And that means that we're gonna take a time of confession right now. We're gonna quiet our hearts before God. And if there's anything that has been in our life that's not pleasing to God, let the Holy Spirit draw that out and remind you. It's not comfortable, but it's good. And if he draws that up, that we confess that to God because we were gonna confess these things we're gonna acknowledge that what we did is not in line with Jesus and that we're sinning. And then we're gonna ask for his forgiveness. So let's take a moment of silence and then I'll close us in prayer and lead us through communion. Communion.